Well, how are we? Second service, you, you are the more awake, hopefully. No? We, we tried. We tried. Hey, just for a second before uh, we, we get to, to the message, do we have veterans in the room? Um, if you would stand, if you have served, awesome, awesome. Um, hey, we just want to honor you guys. If we would just give them, yeah, thank you for your sacrifice. Yeah, thank you guys. You can grab a seat. I just wanted to honor you guys. And I mean, it's when you think of serving and how they, they gave sacrificially, I mean, like that is so at the heart of God. And I love that. So we just wanted to take a second to honor you guys before we get to the teaching time. So if you have a Bible, turn to James chapter five. We're gonna look at the first six verses. If you're just stepping in with us, we've been, we've been uh, just hammering out these verses little by little, and now we're in James chapter five. We started back in September, if you remember that, and now we're in November. We're, we're just a couple weeks away from the end, and, and we've really been looking at different parts of what it looks like to live the Christian life. And so James really in chapter five isn't gonna open up with, with a, a touchy-feely kind of Oprah happy message. He, he's really pointing the finger and he's really getting at here is what is wrong. And so let's address it as James has a tendency to do. And so we're gonna look at the first six verses of how he is really addressing the rich. And so cha- chapter five, starting in verse one. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Super encouraging. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasures in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. So this is week one for you joining our church. Super exciting, super encouraging. Just getting right at the the heart of that. And we're going to talk about the message that everybody loves to avoid when they know it's going to be preached at church, which is the fact that we're going to talk about money. So compared to many in the world, because I think our tendency is to think, well, I'm not rich. I'm I'm not like the Bill Gates of of the world. I'm not like the Warren Buffett. I'm I'm not rich. But the reality is the place that we live in, in here in America, we are very rich in a lot of ways. In fact, nearly 3 billion people throughout the world live on less than $2 a day. So compare that to your day's wages. You don't have to tell me it right now, but, but think on that in comparison to your own day's wages. So the average person, think of this in the season that we're in right now, the average American family, this is individual households, will spend roughly $700 on holiday gifts and goodies. That, that's just Thanksgiving, Christmas, okay? That's all that holds. And that will total in America to $465 billion in expenses. So if you don't think you're rich, these are the stats about the area and the, and the type of culture we live in. And, and because of this, what this often can unfortunately lead us to is a place of materialism, 
right? And, and, and actually, the, the definition of materialism is a tendency to consider material possessions and physical comfort as more important than spiritual values. And so this is the place where we're at. Constantly, we're distracted by things and we're putting a higher focus on material rather than our, on our relationship with Jesus. And so the truth of what James is really getting at the heart of is that all of our stuff is keeping us from our Savior. All of our stuff is keeping us from our Savior. And this isn't just something we have an issue with today, but this is something that Jesus encountered even in his ministry in Luke 18, where we see the rich young ruler, come to Jesus, I've kept all your commandments, I've done everything that I know you would ask me to do, but what must I do to follow you? And Jesus says, sell everything and then come follow me. Give it all away. And, and, and he doesn't go, absolutely, he gets sad because what he had done was he elevated what he had gained in his life above what he really needed, which was Jesus. And so really, there are all of these possessions, these are all of the riches that really distract us from Jesus. But here's the, here's the truth about the culture we live in here in America. Money isn't the only distraction or cause of being filled with wealth. So for some, it's not about the money in our pocket, but the object of our attention and our affection, okay? So some of you younger people who, who would say, I've seen more of a bank account of my own that's in the red than in the black, okay? So for you, it's not money, but there's still possessions there. There's still wealth there. Because think about what is taking your attention. What is the object of your affection? For some of you young guys, it's your vehicle, right? Your bedroom is a disaster, God forbid that mom really knows how it's going. And yet your vehicle is immaculate. It looks, it looks perfect. Those of you who could drive. And for you, that's what is the object of your affection, of your attention. For others, it's clothes. And let's be honest, it's not the guys, right? It's, it's the gals in the room because us guys, if we have a hole in our shirt, we just wear it on Sunday because we just go with that joke. It's a holy shirt. You know, we're good to go. But the ladies, you really care about how you look. And this is a way of wealth. The, the clothes that we have, the possessions that we have. Think of the devices that you have, the computers, your phones, your gaming devices. It, these things can be the object of our affection and our attention. And so think on this, think of this for a moment. If your house was burning to the ground right now and you and I were standing outside of your house and you could go and you could grab one thing, what would that be? Think about that. You don't have to answer, but think about that for a second. What would that be? Honestly, think of what you would choose. Now rethink it a little bit. I'm not there, no one else is there, but you and Jesus are there. And only he can go in and grab that one thing for you. Does that change it a little bit? See, for some of us, you had to rethink for a moment, didn't you? Because what that says is our idea, our priorities are not always in alignment with God's priorities. And so you and I, as we are called beyond ourselves, here's what we need to understand. Wealth is not wrong. Possessions are not evil, but they can be bad and they can be dangerous. And so it's how we focus on them. If we elevate them above Christ, that's what makes it sin. That's what makes it distraction. And that's what ultimately would make it our destruction as James addresses. So for you and I to really follow Jesus and seek his priorities, what we need to do is have an exchange, not idolizing these riches 
but really pursuing God. Because if we're not careful, what James really tells us is that riches can lead to a dangerous idolatry. We've talked about idolatry before, and really idolatry is really that image that is a representation of a a God, the object of worship, and in a lowercase g, God. And and then also it can be a person or a thing that you greatly admire. You put all of your affection, all of your attention to. And, And so really for the believer, idolatry is anything that replaces the position of the one true God in their life. And so really there's a big difference between idolatry and worship because idolatry is taking something or someone that can be good and making it a God thing. Whereas worship is positioning everything, everything we are, everything we have to bring glory to God. Not not to ourselves, but to God because you and I are image bearers of the God that created us. That's how we see in the book of Genesis that man was created in the image of God. And and no one more perfectly reflects that image than Jesus. So no one's a more perfect worshiper than Jesus. And we see in Colossians chapter one, verse 15, that Paul tells the church, he says, he being Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And so really for us, God cannot be seen any more clearly than in the life of Jesus. So we don't look to ourselves, we don't look to our stuff, to our priorities, but we look to Jesus as our perfect example of how to walk in the image of God, not pursuing a dangerous idolatry, but pursuing to worship God in our living. And so as believers, our lives really need to point to God. So whatever riches we have, we need to position them before God to bring him glory. Because money and riches are not bad, but let's be honest, money is dangerous. Money is really dangerous. I mean, it can be a, a good thing, but also think of, think of money as like fire. Fire can keep you warm. It can help you cook food. It can provide light. But at the same time, fire can also burn up everything around you. And so this is something that can be helpful, but can also be very, very dangerous. And the reason why it's dangerous is because in the wrong hands, it really shows how deceptive the heart is. So it really really causes us to ask, what are our motives? When, When money's in our hands, what's that about? Where's that going? So here's what James's accusation is. He says, the reason why money is so dangerous and all of it is just kind of falling apart and all your riches are dwindling away is because you've trusted in the wrong thing. So you've trusted in the wrong thing and you've put your hope in the wrong place. I mean, think of how that works, how we settle in thinking, this is going to ease my anxieties. Especially if you've ever felt like, man, I'm, I'm not caught up on bills, so I'm gonna put it on a credit card to stay up on bills. So now you're paying interest on something you already owed, now you owe double. And so out of that, it, it doesn't ease the anxiety. It causes more, it's only delayed. And, and then think of how we put our hope and our future built upon these, thinking it's a firm foundation. I'm good, I don't, no one's calling right now. I've got this resolve, but really, these are the lies that we're believing. These are the lies that, man, these are the riches that I'm pursuing. Everything's fine. Nothing's burning down. I'm good. But 
but really we've put our hope in the wrong place. We've put our hope in the wrong place and, and, and now some of you are feeling that you're paying for that. There's debt that you lie awake at night and I've been there of going, I don't know how we're going to pay this. I don't know how and why would we let ourselves get there? Because in the moment you didn't feel anxiety, but you do now. So what we need is, is that shift in priority. And if you look at, at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, it perfectly parallels. James is perfectly taking from his, his big brother Jesus, his half-brother Jesus, where we see out of here, almost a, if you lay them together, it's almost like an exposition of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. So what James is saying, we also see in Matthew 6, in verse 19. This is what Jesus said. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, think on this, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And so really what Jesus's point here and what James's point here is, is that to some extent money, really what we do with it, the measure of how we desire it really reveals our hearts more than our mouth and our actions combined. More than our words and our actions, what we're doing, our money, where we're allowing it to go, it is really determining where, where our heart is at. It, real, it reveals a lot of that intent, the motive. So really, we can say whatever we want to say. We can walk in, we can sing through beautiful songs, we can pray prayers together, but if it is not affecting our lives, how we view everything else, particularly as James is saying, our riches, then it's just empty because it's, it's just the external effect. It's not affecting the heart. So if we really wanna know what's going on in our hearts, Let's look at your bank statement. I mean, it gets personal at that point. And I'm not saying that let's all together put out before one another our bank statements because that would be at the point of judging one another. But that's not what Jesus is after and that's not what James is after. But for you to put it down and, and assess, where are my priorities? Do, do these things that I'm spending money on say that I love God, that I serve God, or does it show a constant agenda of your own. So what does your bank statement say? See, I think th this really creates a vicious cycle when we get into this thinking where we praise God with our mouths and claim that he's first in our lives, but then, then all of our stuff and our riches come first. So it just causes this deepening of that idolatry, making a good thing a, a God thing when it was never intended to be that. So really what we need, church, is a right focus, a right focus, a shifting of priorities where it's not ours, but God's, where we move out of pursuing riches to pursue righteousness. Because what we see is that righteousness leads to serving others. 
See, the Bible only condemns the rich who store up their wealth instead of using it in proper ways. The Bible really just condemns, it's not bad to be rich, but think rightly about your riches. Understand that what God's given you is not your own. As I say, every time when we go back into a time of worship, this is where we're gonna give back to God what's already his. So what that tells us is we're on borrowed time, we're on, we're on borrowed stuff, we have borrowed money, it's not our own. And so that really tells us how, how are we spending because that's a reflection. Are we pursuing riches? Are we pursuing righteousness? Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, so flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. See, we live in a society where it's really easy to have the appearance and the stature of being wealthy. I mean, seriously, think on it for a moment. A lot of us, especially when it comes to creditors, if you have a lot of debt and you have a lot of cards all around, you have wealth and you have stuff to leverage out there. But if we look at it as believers, we're just in debt. So what that tells us is in our culture, in, in our world, we're really coveting riches and, and, it's, and it's not considered sin in a lot of these areas. I mean, for someone to walk in uh, to church on Sunday and, and, and have all this bling on them, I don't think that person's gonna show up. But if they have all of these riches where it's the appearance that they've just constantly put it on credit, it, it's, it's the conversation of that's cool that you own that, but, but where's the healthy call out? Where this, this is sin. You're putting yourself in a deeper rooting of idolatry. Why is this stuff taking a priority in your life? But I think it's so easy in our culture to just buy, 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 sell, 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 trade, trade, trade. And, and, and we don't just slow down for a moment and consider this. And so in our culture, there is this itch issue where heaping up treasures for our own gratification is just really considered an American right. Like this is, this is what I'm owed. This is what works for me. And I think it's easy to be influenced by these values and make them in, in our own way believe that, that they're still a God thing in a good way. And so for us, what we really need to do is ask that question, are we laying up treasures in heaven or on earth? What am I valuing here? Am I valuing my own stuff or am I valuing what God tells me is of value to him? That I think is the question we need to ask. Because those who lay up treasures in heaven are those who position their wealth, position their talents in such a way to help others. So they're not focused on riches, but out of righteousness, they're focused on relationships. And so this is where it shifts from the problem that often happens in our culture, in, in our churches, where people come in with this materialistic consumer-driven idea of church where we come in, where, where often there's this idea that, that church is for you. Church is here so that they can serve you. And there's in part truth there, but the church isn't just here so you can get served, but also for you to walk in and say, how can I serve? What can I do here? What can I give to this body of believers and pursue relationship with them? So, so church isn't where we walk in and say, what, what's gonna come out for me? But, but what can I give? 
See, I think if we're not giving our resources and giving our time, and laying ourselves out in the service of others intentionally, then the question is, what are you really serving? If you're not serving others, then who are you serving? What are you serving? So for us to pursue righteousness and serve others, what this leads us to is serving God. Righteousness leads to serving God. Jesus described his mission with these famous words. For God so loved the world that he gave. He didn't take but he gave. And as much as that's a Sunday school verse, let me just tell you how much a couple theologians can sit around, a couple pastors, and talk about how deep doctrinally that verse is because there's powerful truth in it. There's not just a concept of how loving our God is, but the truth that he is a generous God. He gave what you didn't deserve. But like we talked about last week, what isn't fair? He extended grace. And so generosity is really one of God's chief attributes. It's a characteristic of God and us being created in the image of God. Here's what God wants for us, for us to be generous. For us to lay everything we, uh, we have before God open-handedly, our time, our talents, our finances, and, and lay it all before him because how we handle our money reveals a lot about our priorities. How we handle our time reveals a lot about our priorities. That's why we consider giving as an important part of worship because this is a sacrifice. This is giving of what we've earned and giving back to God because it's already his. And by giving regularly, we honor him and we provide and we, and we work together for the better of our community. I mean, one of the cool things about our giving when we take our tithes and offerings is that a percentage of that goes towards our network. And so not just what we gather here is for, the, for our local body, but also is sent overseas for those who don't have money, who, who would meet in huts and, and they're going, no one knows where we are. Well, Cedro gives, Cedro Woolly Church gives a percentage. So we're, we're gonna get you taken care of so people know where you are. There's a need there. There's been needs in our network overseas, locally, all over. And it's not just that local group by that giving, taking care of that, but it's all of us together. Another Christ the King location is raising up in another state. I can't remember where, but it's another one is being launched soon. We, we got to help fund that. See, what we do when we, when we give of our income is we give our resources to say, God, your priority in this. You resource it, and, and this is yours already, so you take it. And so for us to serve God through our gifts, our talents, and our finances it is, is not only serving God, but it's also submitting to God because serving God is all about submitting to him. So it's us aligning ourselves underneath his leadership. And we looked back in, in week seven of our series when we were first opening in the, in the chapter four of James. And we looked at how in the New Testament where the word submit occurs, the word is translated from the Greek word hupotasso. And the first part of that, that's, two, that's kind of a two word combo word where the first means under and the second word means to arrange. 
So for us, in order to submit to God, it means that we need to humbly position ourselves under his leadership and arrange our priorities, not for ourselves, but for him. That his priorities would be that what leads us. So what I've constantly told you, church, what I've constantly hoped that we would grasp and understand together, almost annoyingly beating this home, is the truth that one of the most biblical concepts, the most basic biblical concepts, is that whatever controls and shapes your life is in effect the God that you're worshiping. Whatever shapes and controls your life is in effect the God that you are worshiping. So let me ask you this as we come to a close. What is controlling you? When it comes to your spending, when it comes to your time, when it comes to your resources, your talents, your priorities, what is controlling you? Is it riches and pursuing this dangerous idolatry, even sometimes unintentionally, or is it righteousness through relationship with Jesus? See, in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5, we see the passage of the Beatitudes. And in Matthew 5, verse 6, one of the ones that Jesus says is, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. They shall be satisfied. Now, I don't know about you, if, if you know much about the Sermon on the Mount and, and Matthew 5 and 6, but what I think is perfectly laid out is Matthew 5, Jesus says, blessed are those who pursue righteousness. Matthew 6, Jesus says, determine where your priorities lie, what treasures you're laying up. And then after that, right after that, he says, don't be anxious. Let go of anxiety. I think those are perfectly aligned because I think a lot of us have anxiety. I mean, whether it be money, or our time, whatever it is, the anxiety we feel, I think the prayer is not, God, fix my anxiety, but rather, God, teach me to be more and more in relationship with you. Teach me to pursue righteousness, that I'd be satisfied in that, that I would store up treasures, not on earth, where everything's going to get destroyed, but store it up in heaven, that my anxiety wouldn't be here, but my adoration would be here to you. So what's controlling you? Is it your anxieties? Is it your time, your resources, your riches? Or, or is it your submission to God and your pursuit of righteousness and serving him and serving others? Let's pray.